Bleach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Good morning, everybody. This is Billy Rutledge filling in for Tom Leach this morning on this Friday edition of the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. And we have a fun show planned for you today on the opening day of the NCAA tournament. You could say yesterday, last night was the opening day. I'm not going to. Those were the play-in games. But but boy, man, if, if those are a precursor of what we have to come in this NCAA tournament, it is going to be a fun ride. Again, I am Billy Rutledge. You can follow me on Twitter at Billy R Sports, normally the producer for the Big Blue Insider and Dick Gabriel, which is on six to eight weekdays on News Radio six thirty WLAP in Lexington today. But today we're going to talk all things cats with Larry Vaught, who will join us on the Kentucky Hempworks Hot dot com hotline a little later. We'll talk to Larry Vaught about the opening day of the NCAA tournament and all things Kentucky, including the UK volleyball team who has a big matchup versus the Florida Gators this weekend. And also the women's basketball team who is in the NCAA tournament and will play on Sunday. A little later in the show we'll talk to Mike DeCourcy at TSN Mike on Twitter. He's got all the good takes when it comes to college basketball. We'll talk to him a little bit later about the opening day and, and Coach Calipari and, and some of the changes that he'll have to make moving forward if he wants to get the Cats back into the NCAA tournament. But the Leach Report today comes to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studios, which today is is actually the 630 WLAP studio. You know, not a lot of people allowed in the building ever since the coronavirus pandemic hit back in March, but we are here today. And Shannon the Dude is my producer back in Louisville. Always nice to have Shannon alongside. Shannon, how are you this morning? Doing good, man. Glad to have you on. We had your partner in crime on yesterday hosting, and now today you. So good to have you in. Yep, just Big Blue Insider taking over the Leach Report over the next couple days or so. And, and man, Shannon, I'm not sure if you were able to catch some of those games last night, but... Wow, they were good. And they all had, really had to do with comebacks. And I think that's, I think that's what we love most in this NCAA tournament is the underdog story, don't you think? Yeah, 16 points was the difference in four games. You had two one point games and, uh, that UCLA Michigan State game went late into the night, but that was a great game as well. So yeah, you know, the NCAA tournament has a way of humbling you as a fan or as a college basketball expert because you watch these games all season long. And just when you think you've got it figured out, who's good and who's going to win these games? You have all these upsets that I'm sure will happen today. I couldn't agree more. You know, there's always um, the 12-5 upset. Um, that's the one that's always circled. UMBC doing the impossible, beating Virginia back in 2018. It could happen again against a crafty Ohio Bobcats team. But we got 16 games today as the South and the Midwest first-round games will take part in the NCAA tournament first-round action today. But last night in those first four games that Shannon mentioned, how about Johnny Juzang and those UCLA Bruins coming back from a 44 to 33 halftime deficit? Johnny Juzang played 42 minutes and scored 23 points as the Bruins took down Michigan State 86 to 80. They advanced to take on the six-seeded BYU Cougars. And it was a little bittersweet watching Johnny. It really was. You know, I always wish the best for Kentucky transfers to play well, but you're telling me this man couldn't have had a big role on this 2021 Kentucky team? I'm not sure I would agree. You know, I think there's a culture that's been fostered here that if you don't immediately find success at Kentucky, um, 
you know, besides the likes of maybe an Emmanuel Quickly or a Nick Richards, where they have started to create that mold, there's not necessarily a success guaranteed for these guys that come in looking to be one-and-done freshmen. So Johnny Juzang took over for a second there in overtime, scoring five straight points to give UCLA the lead, but he landed awkwardly on his ankle, something that he had been really nursing for the entire year. He missed pretty much the rest of the overtime, but BYU was able to get it done. They defeat Michigan State 86-80, to and again, we'll play BYU this week. Some of the other games last night, Appalachian State trailed 34-15 to in the first half before coming back to, def- um, to take the lead versus Norfolk State, but ultimately losing 54-53. to That was a close one and a heartbreaker for Appalachian State. Norfolk State will now take on the number one seed of Gonzaga in their first round matchup. You also had Texas Southern defeat Mount St. Mary's 60-52. to They trailed 34-15 to at one point in the first half. So absolutely the, the night of upsets. They will take on the number one seed in Michigan Wolverines. And then Drake, who trailed by 12 at one point in both halves, had, and got their first NCAA tournament win since 1971, came back to defeat Wichita State 53-52. to Wichita State had a last-second shot at the buzzer that I'm sure was giving Drake fans flashbacks of 2008 when the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers hit that last-second shot with Ty Rogers. But it was not to be so. Drake would defeat Wichita State 53-52. They will take on the six-seeded USC Trojans. Throughout the show today on the Leach Report, we'll give you all the updates on the NCAA tournament first-round action today and tomorrow, along with talking with Larry Vaught and Mike DeCourcy on this Leach Report edition. But when we come back, Larry Vaught will join us to talk all things cats. I'm Billy Rutledge. Follow me on Twitter, at BillyRSports. Filling in for Tom this morning. Keep it locked. We'll be right back. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. Welcome back to this Friday edition of the Leach Report. I'm Billy Rutledge filling in for Tom Leach. This will be the first NCAA tournament this year without Indiana, UK, UofL, and WKU since 1965. And back then, the NCAA tournament field was only 23 teams. It is certainly weird times. And now joining us on the Leach Report, guest on the Leach Report, come to you on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline, is my friend Larry Vaught. You can follow him on Twitter at Vaught's Views. Larry, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, Billy. Thanks for uh, asking, and thanks for having me today. Yeah, absolutely. And before we get into the U.K. volleyball and softball teams that have big matchups uh, this weekend, I want to talk a little NCAA tournament. I was watching the last or the first four games last night, and i got to be honest, Larry, I, don't, I didn't know how much I missed this. You know, with not having an NCAA tournament last year, I was all in on getting ready to watch this tournament, but seeing the upsets happen, seeing the comebacks come to fruition, and, and seeing Tom Izzo and Gabe Brown argue with each other going into the halftime locker room, I, I really enjoyed what I saw last night and really looking forward to this NCAA tournament. It's kind of weird you mentioned that because it was kind of fun watching Izzo and his player get into it like that. I mean, and they really got into each other, didn't they? I mean, that wasn't just a few little exchanges like sometimes we've seen with with Calipari and players. I mean, that was pretty intense. I thought. I mean, and we should, I saw that shot where Izzo went running down the hallway chasing after him. I kind of wish I could have been in the locker room to have seen a little bit more of what went on after the camera cut away there. 
Yeah, really. And uh, I guess Gabe not happy with some pick-and-roll defense from a fellow Michigan State player. Izzo went over there to go and say something to him about it, and uh, he didn't take very lightly trying to run away to the locker room before turning around to face him. It was interesting, but don't think it was the story of the game. It really could have been Johnny Juzang, who scored 23 points in 42 minutes. Did you ever doubt that he would find success after you transferred away from Kentucky, Larry? I didn't know how how much success, but yes, I thought he would find some success. I didn't think it would probably be quite this much this quick, but I mean, he really looked really looked good. Like I, I'm, I'm like you, I was I was sitting there watching, thinking, "Wow, I think he would have fit in for Kentucky this year when he's knocking these shots down and 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 doing the things that that he was doing." It was just really nice to to see him there because he's such a nice young man. Too, and he just kind of played within the flow of the game. In fact, I, I kind of thought they should have maybe tried to get him a few more shots than what they did because he was really, really good. But just to have a shooter like that on your team, I mean, I just don't know why Kentucky thought there wasn't a place for him on their roster. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we may continue to see the roster turnover, not so much with the the fluctuation of freshmen, but this one-time transfer rule that is on the horizon that's been approved for all sports in 2021. You know, we really could see the beginning of free agency when it comes to college football and, and college basketball. And to that point on the U.K. football team, Larry, we just saw yesterday Kentucky wide receiver Allen Daly Jr., entering the transfer portal. He is the second receiver to enter the portal the last two days, along with Bryce Oliver, who also made that decision. And, you know, if you look at the departures on the offseason when it comes to Kentucky football, you have Daly along with Oliver, Akeem Hayes, and Khalil Branham. Um, is this just normal turnover, or is do you think that this is a cause for concern for Kentucky? Well, I've always thought the last couple of years they had way too many receivers on the roster anyway. I mean, I think... If these guys had, I think they were going to have like 18 receivers on the roster going into next season, which is way too many, I thought. But I think it tells you one because all those guys you mentioned were guys before the last season started. We were kind of saying, "Well, this guy might be a big playmaker. He could be a key to this season. This and this, and it just never happened." One because Kentucky just couldn't throw the ball. Some of his receivers' fault or, or, or what? But now you bring in. Wondell Robinson, you bring in a couple of these other freshmen that we're, I think, going to be really impressed with. You see that Josh Ali went ahead and stayed back for another year. So I think some of these guys have just kind of decided, uh, you know, maybe I wasn't going to get to play that much after all. So maybe I just go ahead and go somewhere else where I have a chance to play more in a different offense or something like that. So I think it's just normal attrition. With you have that many players in a position, and you bring in some new guys that maybe they realize are just better than what they are. Look, I get it. You know, Wandell Robinson comes in, um, Liam Cohen, the NFL quarterbacks coach for the Rams. You know, they're going to implement this new offense. Josh Ali comes back. It seems like they have the puzzles in place. But you know, Daly started all eleven games as a junior and finished third on the team in receptions. With only 14 catches for 139 yards and one touchdown, but you know this was a veteran on the team, Larry. You know, have we seen the end of four-year players when it comes to college football and basketball? You know, have we entered a generation where, you know, if the tough, if the going gets tough, then you know it's better to just transfer and find a starting spot instead of stick it out and wait your turn to play. I think for a lot of guys, that's gonna that's gonna be the case with now that you can transfer the one time and be able to play 
automatically or be eligible for wherever you go. I mean, you get to play. It means you'll be eligible because you may go somewhere and it not work out as well as what you think. But Kentucky's bringing in, what, four is it four transfers themselves, and they may add another one or two before the season starts. So I think it's just going to be that way in, in football, just like it's going to be in, in basketball. Now, I think what's going to be interesting is how much does this impact some of the other sports, and I don't think it's going to have a huge impact on them as much as what it's going to, the, obviously, the football and the basketball. But I'm really kind of interested over the next three to four weeks to see what impact it's going to have on, on basketball. Is anybody else going to leave the Kentucky roster and how many guys is maybe John Calipari going to try to bring in out of the transfer portal to go uh, for next year's team. I mean, listen to him on his radio show Monday night. It sounded like it could be several guys coming and going the next uh, few weeks to me. Yeah, and, and that formula works, Larry. You know, it's proven to work with Coach Calipari. He's shown that he can get these freshmen to be playing well by February and March in time for the tournament. But, you know, after watching that documentary on the 1978 team and, and Goose Givens and James Lee, and Mike Phillips and Rick Roby, you know, you don't create that form of camaraderie, camaraderie just over lunch and just over, you know, the games that you have in one season. It was coming up short versus John Wooden. It was winning the NIT together. It was losing to North Carolina before the Final Four. It, you know, I just don't think we see that sort of team building anymore when it comes to any of these sports today. No, and, and you're, it's not going to just be a Kentucky. It's going to be that way everywhere because even at 78 team, that was Kyle Macy's first year to play, but he came in as a red shirt or as a transfer, and he had to sit out. So he was here the whole 77 season practicing with them. And so even though it's his first year to get to play, he'd been with the team a whole year. He just hadn't played in games, but he'd been with the team a whole year. So th- th- those were kind of different days. I mean, those guys all came. You knew when they came to school, they were going to be here for four or maybe five years if they ended up mm-hmm. redshirting. They never really thought anything different about anybody leaving. It's pretty rare for anybody to even transfer because if you did, you had to set out that full year and transferring. This wasn't a thing. A lot of players did. It happened every now and then, but not but not very often, not like what it's going to now. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And maybe Oscar Shibwe, the transfer from West Virginia, who's been with the team in practice this entire year, can make a similar impact the following year when he does get the start. We're going to take a break here on the Leach Report. When we come back, more Larry Vaught. We're going to get into the NCAA tournament and some of the games that you can expect from the U.K. volleyball and softball teams this weekend. Hey, I'm Billy Rutledge filling in for Tom Leach this morning. Keep it locked here on the Leach Report. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and The Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the Cats. Welcome back. It's Friday morning, and this is The Leach Report. I'm filling in for Tom Leach. I am Billy Rutledge. Follow me on Twitter at BillyRSports. And joining us on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline is Larry Vaught. You can follow him on Twitter and read his work at Vought's views and and Larry, are you a bracket guy? Uh, is it, are you a sheet of integrity, only filling out one, or do you or do you like the coin flips and you like to fill out multiple ones? You know, Billy, I, I hate to disappoint you right here, but I usually don't even fill out one. Oh, Larry, why? Why does why does it not interest you? Uh, not not really. Usually, for well, you know, most years I, I'm working, and I don't ever want to do anything that uh, would maybe even remotely influence how I might write or feel about something because of what I filled out just on a little simple bracket, just kind of one of those ethical things I thought, 
you know, I, I should do. And this year, I just thought, eh, I don't really. I'm just going to watch the games, but I don't have that much feeling about it. So I didn't even throw one out. Well, it's not a sheet of integrity, but it is integrity for you, Larry. And, you know, I think a lot in the Big Blue Nation feel similar to you with UK out of the tournament for the first time since 2013. But the Moorhead State Eagles will represent the Commonwealth of Kentucky as the only team from the Commonwealth to be in the NCAA tournament. The OVC champions are a 14 seed and will play three seed West Virginia tonight at 9.50 p.m. Preston Spradlin in his fourth season with the Eagles, Larry. Any chance that these guys can pull off that kind of upset tonight? I think it's probably r- remote, but I, the one reason that you would think maybe there's just a sprinkling of hope is that Moorhead, other than a game against Kentucky, has been a really right. good defensive team. They led the OVC in almost every defensive category, and defense is one thing that does usually translate well to NCAA tournament play. So, Again, I wouldn't want to bet my house on Moorhead, but I think it's not as impossible as what some people might think that it is. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but it would be pretty cool to see, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. I'm definitely rooting for Spradling and the Eagles to pull it off. And Skylar Potter, somebody that I covered over at Warren Central High School back in my Bowling Green days at Western Kentucky. The U.K. baseball team will start SEC play this weekend versus Missouri. They are 11-3 and on the season after an 8-13 and loss versus Murray State on Tuesday. But, Larry, big matchups this weekend for not only the U.K. volleyball team, but the U.K. softball team. Why don't you tell me about them? Well, it's huge for the uh, U.K. volleyball team going down to Florida and playing. They have a two-match lead uh, over Florida in the SEC, so... Basically, that means if Kentucky wins one one match, they're going to be well. I guess they still have another uh, couple matches after that, but I'm going to assume they're going to win those. But if they win one one of the two matches, then they're basically going to be SEC champion again. If they lose both matches, then they would be tied with with Florida and probably still in position to be SEC co-champion again. But I don't think anybody on that Kentucky volleyball team is thinking about, yeah, let's just see if we can be the co-champs. I think they want to get this thing done. I mean, they've been really, really good all season, as you know, Billy. It's pretty amazing how they played starting back in October and played a few matches, I think 10 matches, took a break, came back playing again. They've had two of their uh, matches were called or canceled this season because opponents had uh, COVID COVID issues, so they are just incredible. So I'm picking them all the way tonight. Unfortunately, we are running out of time, Larry. We'll talk about the softball team at another time. Thank you for joining us this morning, and have a good weekend, Larry. All right, Billy. All right, more to come. Mike Corsi's next here on the... Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. Welcome back to this Friday edition of the Leach Report, opening day of the NCAA Tournament. I am Billy Rutledge filling in for Tom Leach this morning. And joining us now on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline is Michael DeCourcy. You can follow him on Twitter at TSN Mike. He writes about college hoops for the Sporting News. Mike, big thank you for coming on this morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. And I imagine this is your Super Bowl, really. Is this your biggest day of the year? Uh, Oh man, they're so they're, this this whole actually I think probably selection Sunday. It, like you mean like in terms of excitement or in terms of like responsibility? Let's go personal excitement. Is this your oh, favorite I, day? I, you of know, the year? I, honestly, my favorite day of the year, and 
this was different this year, obviously, and it certainly was much different a year ago. My favorite day of the year is the quarterfinal day of whatever league tournament I'm covering. Mm. I, I love that day where you're locked in the gym and every team that is playing practically has a chance. And I, yeah, there have been years when I've been able to do the Big 12 and Big 10 quarterfinals back-to-back because the Big 12 is in KC, the Big 10 is either here in Indy or in Chicago most years, and you, I could fly easily on Southwest from Indy to KC, KC back, et cetera. And, and there have been years when I did both, and those were phenomenal. I think that because it's just that that feeling of the great basketball you're going to watch, what's going on elsewhere and is going to affect the tournament. I love the entire month, and, I, and, and this week, th- these first two days of the tournament are phenomenal. But I, I always hold out a little, you know, I, since, I, since um, I think it was like 2001 or 2002, and when, when you first started getting, like, lots of cable stations and stuff, and I remember I wrote that I wrote that I watched 30, I watched all or part of 32 games one, one conference tournament Friday, and it's been my favorite ever since. Well, I have to agree with you. Um, there's nothing like just parking your seat down and, and watching all the games in a conference tournament with all these teams with different motivations, whether it be you need to win right. out to get in or stay on the right side of a bubble. It, it really starts that beginning of March. And then we get into the NCAA tournament, which I am just so glad is back after the year hiatus that it had last year. And if you know, last night was any precursor of what we're going to see in the NCAA tournament. We may be in for a good run, Mike. Um, what stood out to you in those first four games? It, to me, it had to be the UCLA-Michigan State drama. Well, yeah, I mean, I, they pretty pretty much set it up that way. Where they put, if they had put Wichita State against UCLA and and uh, Michigan State against Drake, I think we would have had the two high major teams be a winner. Uh, I, I think the the, the two. Uh, the two teams from the the more pro- prominent, prestigious conferences would have been the winners because I, I didn't think you know, Drake was a terrific team and and in a in a whole state would have been good enough to beat you know obviously teams that are in the eleven seed and and I think they would have been good enough to win on the six against the six line as well. The problem was when Roman Penn, their their terrific guard, got hurt at the end of the year. It's, they're really just trying to, you know, it, it's possession by possession for them. You know, it, they're just sort of hanging on, and they're doing a good job of hanging on, but it's not them at full strength. And Wichita, uh, I, I, Wichita was the least qualified of all the teams in the tournament and they, and had not played well lately. I, I was pleased for them to see them give a good effort last night because it had been a while since they did. Speaking with Michael DeCourcy here on the Leach Report, you can follow him on Twitter at TSN Mike. Mike, you had an interesting tweet last night debating the fact that if Wichita State should have taken a timeout or not, with about two seconds left on the clock, they ended up deciding to take a 38-footer to try to win the game. They ended up missing the shot and losing to Drake 53-52. to What's your rule of thumb when it comes to timeouts in late-game situations? Do you think that if you have one, you should always use one? No, uh, my, mine is first of all, if you're if you're in a tie game and not behind, then go. I mean, if you if 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 you don't need to make the basket to stay alive, then cool. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. If, if my my rule of thumb is, if your guys know how to manage that time, then you don't have to. But if you're pulling, and I probably overestimated a little bit, thirty eight, and maybe closer to thirty two. But if you're pulling up from there, 
with a second and a half on the clock, you don't know how to manage the time. Uh, if you pull up from there because that's as far as you can get, I don't have a problem with that. But that with five seconds left, you have to know you can get deeper and closer and and maybe draw a foul. Last night, the Norfolk State won on a foul because they managed their late game situation. Now they had more time, but they when they attacked, they basically just said Appalachian State, you're going to foul me. I mean, you got no choice. I'm making you foul me. And that's what happened. And and in in the case of Wichita, of Wichita, uh, they did not they did not have a handle on how far they could get in the in the amount of time. And that's why I thought that a timeout might have been better because they would have been able to manage the time more cleanly. They would mm-hmm. have been able to understand. Okay, this is how much time we have. This is how far you can get. You know, my my friend Fran Fraschilla, the analyst for ESPN, the terrific analyst for ESPN. Uh, says one one bounce per dribble uh excuse me one bounce per second one dribble per second you can get uh, they they left one dribble on the clock and that and they could have taken a 32 foot or 35 foot or whatever it was basically down to the three point line and i and i and i got some pushback about that well the defense was there and i'm like yeah and they're going to back off cuz they're not going to follow you in that situation they, they they know that if they foul you, then you're going to the line with three shots, and all you have to do is make one to tie and two to win. That makes sense, and that's why we have you on to explain it to us, Mike. Um, no doubt Drake was having some 2008 Western Kentucky flashbacks <laughs> when that shot was yeah. up in the air. Um, yeah. But I did mention UCLA, and they were able to win 86-80 to 80 over Michigan State in overtime, and Johnny Juzang was leading the effort for them. The former Kentucky player at 42 minutes, scored 23 points, looked really good in overtime before falling on his ankle ankle awkwardly. Mick Cronin and the Bruins had lost four games going into the NCAA tournament and now take on the six-seeded BYU Cougars in their first-round matchup. What do you think of that, Mike? Do you think that UCLA has uh, can go at all on a run here? Do you like that matchup versus BYU? I do if you can tell me that Johnny is fine. And he looked a little better after the initial um, shock of it. You know, you, you've turned your ankle in your life and, and it, and, and it, there's, you know there's a difference between turning it and spraining it. You turn it, it hurts uh, for a couple of minutes. You, you, know, you walk it off, and it's fine. Uh, you sprain it, you're off for a while. And I, Johnny was up af- after initially um, you know, feeling significant pain uh, and needing help to get off the court and then getting attention. As, as they won the game, he was on his feet. So I don't know if that was a good indication or not. It certainly wasn't a bad one but I don't know whether that means he plays. If he does, they certainly have a chance at BYU. They're, 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 they're probably equally good. The, what the, the problem that UCLA has had is that they, they're sort of running short of players, and that's one of the reasons why Johnny has to, has to play and has to play well for them to win. Is, you know, they lost their backup big guy mid-February just for whatever reason, and I, I, you know, it's a pers- it was personal reasons, so... I don't know what that entails. Uh, they lost their best player, Chris Smith, back in around Christmas time with an ACL. So they were already a fairly thin team. Their young guys are starting to make a little progress, but they're not necessarily ready uh, to, to, to be game-winner types. And so they need Johnny out there. And if they have him, they've got a good shot. Uh, certainly uh, 
Matt Harms at BYU presents a problem because he's so big, and UCLA doesn't have that to match. They, their center Cody Riley is probably you know six nine six eight, so that'll be a challenge for them. But they they have players like uh, like Jaime Jaquez who are just you know so physically and mentally tough. Tiger Campbell, uh, those guys are real competitors. And I don't know, uh, you know, I, I've heard that about Jaime that he was always that, and that's great, and that's one of the reasons he's been so successful. And that's something Nick said last night that he he liked in him and tried to recruit him. Uh, but Tiger was a guy that made great progress after Mick got there. He, he had been kind of. You know, he was a, he was he was a guy who you know who liked the pretty game, and and Mick has turned him into uh, you know a fierce competitor, and that that's one of the reasons they were able to get through last night. Well, we'll keep our eye on former Kentucky Wildcat Johnny Juzang and the Fighting Mick Cronins as you see uh, will we'll take on BYU in their first round action. We're going to take a break. Uh, we're talking with Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News, and when we come back, we'll continue to talk NCAA tournament with Mike. This is the Leach Report, and we're served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. NCAA Tournament opening day. It's almost like Christmas Day, isn't it? This is the Leach Report served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. I am Billy Rutledge filling in for Tom Leach this morning. And joining us on the phone uh, on the hotline, the HempWorks.com hotline, is Michael DeCourcy. You can follow him on Twitter, at TSN Mike, talking all things NCAA tournament right now. And, and Mike, i got to be honest, I have fallen in love with Cade Cunningham. He is my favorite player of the tournament, uh, what he was able to do throughout the season and in the Big 12 tournament. Uh, a guy that I think was looked upon at one time as a Coach Calipari recruit, uh, in a swing and a miss, how different the season would have been if he was at Kentucky. But, you know, I had, I thought I remembered that the, the Cowboys had received a one year postseason ban back in June for penalties committed back in the 2015 scandal with, uh, college basketball. Is that correct? And, and why is it that the Oklahoma State Cowboys are playing in this tournament? Well, that, I wrote a column about that that's on SportingNews.com, and, and I posted on my Twitter feed yesterday. Uh, what happened was that last June, I believe it was, they were handed a one-year postseason ban. Uh, and, and that was when, I don't know if Kate had uh, shown up on campus at that point. I don't know what their summer situation was a year, year ago. I know they did eventually get to campus uh, with, with some of their athletes, including uh, uh, probably a plurality or majority of their basketball players. And so he had to make a decision. The G League thing was still out there for him if he wanted to make a few bucks waiting for the draft, or he could go to another school, maybe even Kentucky, uh, in, in, in play somewhere where he could get to the tournament. Uh, and instead he chose to remain at Oak State, and I think he remained in the belief that they would appeal. Now, whether or not that appeal would be successful or not, I don't know that he knew or they knew or whatever, but... But as as the season went along, the appeal w- was sort of in you know in the under in some Manila folder somewhere on somebody's desk, and it didn't get the from from what Seth Davis, my friend from the Athletic, reported, the appeal hearing was held sometime in early February. But by then, uh, Oklahoma State had built up enough uh, enough uh, gravitas, say. Mm that if they had pulled them out of the tournament that close to it, 
I think there would have been a significant backlash, and, and, and even more so after they handed South Carolina a punishment in a very similar case, almost identical, uh, the same person being charged with the same violations at just at different places. And just a little bit more, uh, there, there was one allegation that, uh, the, that that assistant coach in question, who no longer works at either Oak State or South Carolina, had given $300 to a player at Oak State who was at, on the roster. And that was the only uh, real, you know, real significant, if you want to call that significant, uh, difference between the two cases. And, and South Carolina got almost nothing. I mean, they, I don't think they even got scholarship penalties. Oak State has to give up some scholarships. Uh, they were very surprised that it was that harsh because they had cooperated so much. So they, they appealed, and it, when the appeal hearing was held in early February, I think there was a feeling uh, among those of us who do the brackets that we're this close, they're not going to make a decision now. They, it, would, it, would be, it would be too severe to do that to these players. And, and, and as each week went by, it, it was, it was uh, obvious that they couldn't. I mean, when we got to selection week, I mean, technically they still could have uh, made a decision and said, no, the, your appeal loses and you're out. And it would have been, I think, a significant PR failing for, for uh, the NCAA, and so they did not. Uh, the, Kate Cunningham had a Zoom call the other day with reporters in advance of the tournament, and he said, and I'm not, I don't know if this was uh, – just bold talk because he's only been around the NCAA for a little while. He said, I knew they, you know, that once we got to, you know, once we, if we made ourselves good enough that they couldn't leave us out. And I'm like, oh, wow, oh, man, you, you need to be around the NCAA more than that. <laughs> man, <laughs> the enforcement arm, the uh, they, they they don't usually operate by, uh, you know, they, they don't usually worry about whether or not how good you are. They'll do what they want to do or what they feel is necessary. Yeah, I would say a little easy there, Kate, a little bigger than your britches there, uh, talking about the NCAA. <laughs> yeah, that was some pretty bold talk. He was trash-talking the appeals division, absolutely. Uh, but speaking on a similar line, Rick Pitino is another big storyline of this NCAA tournament, leading the Iona Gales to the NCAA tournament in the MAAC. Um, but how much do you credit Rick for this coaching job, Mike? I mean, I think this is Iona's seventh appearance in the last decade, and they really only played 17 games, 12 and 5 record. What do you make of Rick Patino back in the dance? To Rick's credit, he gave a lot of, 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 uh, of sort of, uh, he, he gave a lot of credit to, uh, Tim Cloyce, the, the coach who was there ahead of him. Tim was a great coach, and, and I hope will be a great coach again but had some health problems that I don't think have been specified a year ago and had to step away. And I don't think that he was going to be ready to coach again this year. And so that's when they went, made the move to go ahead and get Rick. And I think that uh, Tim uh, resigned uh, because of the, the health issues. Uh, and he, and so Tim brought in very good players. Not, not all of them. I, I, I think some might have come since, Rick came along. I'm not sure about that, but he, he was left with some good players. But at the same time, he also had to coach Rick. First of all, Rick's a, as good a coach as there is, literally as good a coach as there is. And, and he also had to deal with such massive disruptions. I don't think there's any coach in the tournament who's had to deal with more disruption than he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe Mark Schmidt would left to, to an extent at, at St. Bonaventure, but their, theirs were like all in one chunk. They basically lost their whole pre-conference. But then once they got into conference play, they had a pretty steady flow. For Iona, it was like 
There goes the pre-conference. Okay, we're back. There goes the rest of the conference schedule. Okay, we're back. We win the conference tournament. That's basically how their season went. And he was able to keep them together and moving forward through all of that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do. They will take on the two-seeded Alabama Crimson Tide on Saturday. I've been speaking with Mike DeCourcy at TSN Mike, uh, covering the college hoops for the Sporting News. And, Mike, just about a minute left. Can you give me your final four? Who do you got? Yeah, I have, uh, out of the West, I have Gonzaga. The East, Alabama. I have Purdue coming out of the South, and that's the region where it could be anybody. I mean, not anybody, anybody, but any one of four or five teams, and I wouldn't be surprised at all. I think Baylor, uh, Ohio State, Texas Tech, to a lesser extent, Purdue, obviously, Arkansas, all of those teams have Final Four goods. And it's just a question of who prevails. I picked Purdue because I like their size and versatility. And then Illinois out of the Midwest, the biggest obstacle being the one that you mentioned as we began the conversation, Cade Cunningham, underseated as a four, so Illinois will probably have to conquer their biggest test in the round of 16. I think they'll get through, and then I have the Zags beating Illinois in the final. Zags over Illinois to complete the perfect season. You've heard it here first. Follow him on Twitter at TSN Mike. Michael DeCourcy has been with us here on the Leach Report. Mike, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us, and enjoy the tournament, my man. It's finally here. Always a pleasure. Glad to have it back, that's for sure. All right, thank you very much. All right, that'll do it for Mike. Final segment of this Friday edition of the Leach Report. I am Billy Rutledge filling in for Tom Leach. Big thank you to Larry Vaught and Michael DeCourcy who joined us as guests today on the show. And today, in this day in UK history, presented by the new Rave On app for an interactive game-watching experience, download the Rave On app from the App Store or the Google Play Store. In 2011, Brandon Knight scored 30 points to lead Kentucky past West Virginia into the Sweet 16, a little sweet revenge after what West Virginia did to the Cats the year before. And also some birthday salutes to Marty Moore, Corey Sears, and Bill Spivey. Hey, the NCAA tournament first-round action kicks off at 12.15 today, Virginia Tech and Florida, the first game of the first round. Hey, I'm Billy Rutledge. Follow me on Twitter at Billy R Sports. Thank you for listening, and keep it locked. KSR is next. listening to The Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow The Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leachreport at gmail.com.